Hello and you are welcome to the RF podcast. It is the 22nd of January. It's just gone seven o'clock here on the top floor of RF Towers. No John Stagg this weekend. National League uh, preview show, I suppose. A bit of talk about Mayo's uh, campaign as it starts off. We've got Inda Mack with us. We have a special guest this evening. No John Stagg, but a, a, a big replacement. And I suppose clue in the word big. It's uh, Simmons Towns Gales. Uh, contributor for the first ever minor title in 1988, scored four points with centre half forward, and also a well known journalist with uh, the Irish Independent, Cullum Keys. Cullum, how are you? Hello, Shane. How are you? <laughs> Good start, <laughs> Cullum. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Okay, how are you getting on anyway, Cullum? <laughs> Hello, Ref. How are you? And, and Enda, how are you? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, lads. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I suppose it was uh, the first round of the league. We'd said we'd get it. We'd get a big name on, and, and none other than than, than yourself, Cullum. And a nice intro, you. I don't know where you got that information, by the way, or where you would have. Uh... Where you have dug, where you would have dug that out of? Uh, that's nineteen eighty eight. So that's showing my age. It's showing your age, away. and uh, it's something I didn't know. It's actually Ender that dug that one out and uh, <laughs> right. and, and he, sent it on yeah, to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, four that's, four that's, points that's from Central. I would imagine that we're all freeze. I used to take freeze back then. Okay. Uh, I would imagine that we're all freeze, but yeah, that's my club, Simonstown. Uh, just outside Navan and yeah that was our first minor title we were a growing area at the edge of town a lot of young housing estates and young families in it so we benefited from that um, and we won that minor title and we won we got up to senior as the years followed but never won a senior title until more recently we were a long time waiting to do it Colin one thing I was surprised with was centre half forward position and I thought now you're the you know, it's no big secret that you're 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 a very tall man. Midfielder, full forward, wouldn't have been the both. Yeah, yeah, I played both. I played both. <laughs> I would have, I would have, uh, I would have gone between the all the positions, and maybe maybe spent. I'd say when I was out of puff that day, probably spent a bit of time, which was quite often. <laughs> uh, I'd say I probably spent a bit of time in full forward. I would imagine in that game. But when we needed to go out and when we needed to win a kick out, I'd go out of course, of course, all the time. <laughs> but. Uh, Let's put it this way: um, durability wasn't my greatest strength in those years. Okay, it, it no one, no one is perfect. Um, what height were you that time, Colum? Probably the height I am now. Well, I'm six seven now. Although I'd say I'm coming down to about six six. So I was probably around that. I might have taken another inch after that. What was I eighteen? No, I was probably that height. I probably was around that, and a lot lighter as well. I've. Uh, <laughs> Let's put it this way: put on the poundage in the years that have followed, especially especially the last ten years. Uh, but back then, I was I was quite light uh, for my frame, so that was another issue. I suppose strength and conditioning wasn't such a big thing then. Uh, in fact, it wasn't a thing at all. I probably uh, it was it was weights and press ups and uh, bull workers. I don't know. Have you, did you ever recall, recall bull workers? Uh, no. Being used no. for strength, yeah, they were they were they were a thing at the, they were a thing at the time when I was growing up. But what, what, what are they? Uh, you used to squeeze them. They were uh, you would you would press them in, sort of like an accordion, and there would be resistance to that. So so they were in vogue at the time. Yeah, really, but it's it's really even showing, really showing my age now. But bull workers were in use for some for for some teams. It was probably even at that stage a bit antiquated. Weights were weights were more in vogue then. Just just. Weights with barbells, nothing else, no machines really. Jim's Rooney, I suppose, in the, in the 80s. There were 
they were popular enough without really the explosion that we see now and all this. So it's just so advanced when you see some of the exercises and techniques and everything that everything imaginable. It was very, very basic back then. It is. And it's probably they're probably nowadays fad is the I suppose the ice bats and whatever else now, the, the resistance ice bats bands. were probably ice bats were probably uh, in use twenty years ago and more. I remember Really? Even in the, yeah, and in, in my latter end of adult playing days, ice ice backs became a thing. Yeah, for sure. So they're not, they're not, they're not that. Uh, they're they're not that. That new. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. But basic weights are probably a thing. You know, they're you know dumbbells and all that. I, I wouldn't say there's a so such an advancement, such an advancement in technique and exercise now. It's uh, you'd be you'd be embarrassed to be in a gym beside some some of them. Yeah, how Ref, did you get Colin? Colin played under uh, one of the first managers that went on the merry-go-round, Mr. PJ Carroll from Cavan. I'm sure Colin has right. a couple of stories on PJ. I did his right play with PJ Carroll as right. PJ was uh, PJ was something else. He was uh, he actually trained two teams the year he took charge of Simonstown. You have you have good recall on that, and uh, uh, he also trained Abby Lara uh, in Longford, and we ended up playing them six times that year with PJ in the middle refereeing each time. So uh, <laughs> that was that was double jobbing on his, on his behalf. Uh, we used to play them on a Sunday morning three times, three times in Simonstown and three more in uh, in Abbey Lara uh, in those years. So uh, he, he he got the benefit all around, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, Colm, you're a well-known journalist. Just maybe give us a background of how you, you got to this point or where did that jump into? Uh, I uh, started off in my local newspaper, the Meath Chronicle, worked there for about five or six years. And then I went to the five years, I'd say. And then I went to the, I ended up in the Sunday world for a year before joining the Mirror Group. And also there was a newspaper set up by Liam Hayes, the former Meath midfielder, two-time All-Ireland winner. He actually set up a paper with a guy called Cahill Durbin, who now works in the FAI. And I used to work for them. It was called The Title. It was a dedicated sports newspaper in in 1996 called the title and i ended up uh working for them as well as the mirror at the same time um and i worked for the mirror for about seven years and then i joined the independent more than 20 years ago at this stage i'd say i'm probably 21 or two years here at this point yeah so this has been my longest run this would probably be uh this is my longest run. I, I, don't, I don't know where I go after this. I'm sure it's... Uh... Well, it's, it's, it's a good point, Colin, because where, like, it has changed, like, obviously, you know, 20 years, there's going to be a lot of change in any job. But even in the last decade or so, media is changing and there seems to be a big shift. Where do you think you see, where do you see it going, especially with papers? Like, we see it, a lot of well, local papers. I, I, see it. I see it. I see it certainly in the independent. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very significant shift to digital first. So everything online uh, first, probably only more so here in the last couple of years, maybe, but also audio. You can see the change to audio and, you know, they're springing up everywhere, including yourselves, but there's a, they're everywhere. There's a, there's a, there's local podcasts just springing up everywhere. So that's, that's a big thing too. And that's, you can see it even, even in newspaper groups across the world globally, you can see a, a big shift towards that and and digital first. But obviously, there's still a constituency that will still buy print. Uh, it's obviously diminishing, but that's more so at weekends and maybe more so at weekends. That's where the that's where the focus is. And you can see in time, our own uh, publisher 
here, a man called Peter van der Mersch has even said on, he said it on the, this week at one, I think it was last year at some stage, he, he wasn't sure whether papers would be around midweek or all elements of papers would be around midweek by, by tw into the 2030s. So he put a, a very short time frame on it because, because of the move towards digital first. So that is, that is happening. Do you see, um, do you see many more podcasts popping up? It seems to be getting saturated now at this moment in time or a lot of papers moving to sort of the podcast sort of Patreon scheme. Do you think that most papers will end up relying, digi uh, relying on a sort of a podcast method or an app? You know, well, I suppose they, they will present their offering in, in two ways. Uh, for a subscription, there will be audio and print access to digital print editions. That's probably what the offering is. Uh, as well as everything else. So I would think from that point of view, there will be consolidation. And uh, obviously, there are a lot of podcasts around and there are only so many ears can listen to them and only so much time in the day. So they may be, I don't know, maybe they're peaking and there will be there will be slide okay. in the in in the in the years to come, uh, obviously. And most people are looking for them. I'm not sure about yourselves now, lads, but most people are looking for them to be in some way financially viable for themselves so that could be that could be a factor in time to come well good thing we're through gales and uh, we, we still have that voluntary <laughs> spirit what's the what's the what's the mood like uh, nationally with in terms of i suppose the beginning of the national league is there what's the mood like is it's you know because i i asked that question because we watched a lot of the provincial sort of warm-up games or finals the weekend and bear the Donegal Derry game there seem to be an awful lot of teams with weakened teams or maybe the more heavy, more more strong Division One teams weren't putting out their best teams. Well, I don't think I've ever seen a greater detachment from the pre-season competitions to what's actually going to happen next weekend because away from those pre-season games, there is a wealth of challenge matches going on everywhere where the primary teams are playing out against each other. And it's been a right circuit over the last three or four weeks. So in terms of the pre-season competitions, they probably haven't been in greater jeopardy to my mind. I think they're almost in the way at this stage. They're just being used to run in players. If you look at the Dublin team, if you look at the any of the teams really, apart from obviously Derry, who, Derry who almost always keep and that this was policy under Rory Gallagher, keep as close to their best team as possible within reason. I do think Mickey Hart will be more expansive with his squad than Rory Gallagher and Kieran Mina were before him. Obviously, they only carried 29 players last year on their squad, 30 when Kieran McFall came back. I think those numbers will rise under Mickey Hart. He'd want a lot more in. But obviously, he played a pretty strong team last weekend against Donegal. Um you look at Galway, you look at Dublin, you look at what Mayo put out, you look at all the okay. teams meet against Longford. Uh, Kerry were strong enough actually last weekend. By the finish up, there was uh, there was some decent players on, on the field for Kerry to go and win that game. And they got it hard to go and win that game too, down, down in Parky Rin. But I the detachment is the detachment is 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 very is great at the moment between it's it's as the greatest point. And and you just wonder, you just wonder if the preseason competitions weren't there. And I'd be an advocate for flipping the league and the championship at this stage because I think there's too much pressure in the early stage of the, the season for a lot of teams. They're all scrambling and hence they're all back training. You know, it was November the 24th for, for most of them. That's a nine-week run-in. You can add a few more weeks even before that when teams are actually at it. So there are some players who are almost three months down the road of an inter-county season before a meaningful game starts. And that's all because the emphasis on winning early league matches 
is so great. If you look at, especially in Division 2, Division 3, where championship status really matters, they yeah. have to get the early rounds of the league right. And you just wonder if it was flipped into a provincial championship in February and March, and then the league, a league-based championship took place over the summer months, as was Proposal B, if you recall that, in 2021. If you did that flip, well, then maybe, maybe it would decrease the pressure, decrease the pressure on uh, on teams at this stage. And you see better teams, or you not better teams, but better matchups. We all talk about this in the league about how, you know, oh, we want to win Sam Maguire. We'll get to Division One, or you know, you've you've got a warrant. I suppose your place there, but it does make better viewing. If the National League was played in the summertime, you would have competitive games every weekend and a lot more volume, and it would make more sense for the GA. And the Munster hurling league was. Was it just called off today? Or I read. I well, seen Cork and Limerick they tried three times. It fell by the wayside for three for three different reasons: uh, frost, fog, and then the storm uh, <laughs> yesterday. So they've shelved that competition now. I mean, the O'Byrne Cup last year, you saw what happened with that. Um, all told, I think these competitions as entities they're they're okay for running for running players in, but yeah. counties can do that anyway. They can do that anyway, away, away from the away from the glare, shall we say. So I just think there would be if if it was flipped and there was no pre-season competitions, you know, college games could continue on with 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 no conflict, and college games can be very beneficial. There's a short window there for players to play third level. I think all around it would decrease the pressure early in the season and really ramp it up because there is a dip after the league. There's a bit of a dip for the Connacht Championship, the Leinster Championship, not so much the Ulster Championship and the Munster Championship. There's four or five weeks there when it when it just dips and it's almost a state of inertia with three of the provincial championships at this stage. Maybe not so much Connacht, but the other two certainly Munster and Leinster. They're almost foregone conclusions. Although maybe I think I think Cork would be a bit better this year, but otherwise they do dip before before the season builds back up again through May, June, and into July. So I think it'd be better if there was a a, a, a gradient, a gradual a gradual gradient to the season where there isn't that dip and it started off more benign than it is now because it is cutthroat in these early weeks of the league, as I said, especially in Division Two and Three. And Colm, have you any refereeing qualifications you maybe needed the weekend from what we read in the papers the last couple of days? No, I don't. And uh, obviously that's <laughs> going to create a bit of pressure with uh, referees failing, uh, not making the mark in uh, fitness testing, the bangs bow test, as it's called, where they uh, must reach 16.8 and a number of the top referees did miss out. But I believe they're going to be on standby for the weekend. Some of the some of the better referees will be standby. They'll be running the line. I thought maybe they might pull their services all all together once they weren't available. But that if they weren't fit enough to referee a game, I think on the basis that well, why would they be fit enough to come in and standby? But I think from what I gather, they'll be tested soon enough to be given an opportunity to make the mark this time and get back up and running. But it's an unfortunate series of events. You'd wonder. Uh, how fit do referees need to be in the modern game, given it's become such yeah. a pedestrian game at times? There's plenty of opportunity for a referee to catch his breath. Now, I know it's not the, the biggest thing, and they must they must make decisions under pressure when they are tired, and that is a factor. But there's plenty of opportunity. You know, there's plenty of standing, tapping the ball in the middle of the pitch and just moving it from side to side. And, you know, you can go a minute in a game now when you just know nothing is going to happen. Referees get to catch their breath. Yeah, I think interpretation of rules and ability to make quick decisions is probably the uh, the, the the greatest asset a referee can have, more so than fitness. Although fitness obviously does 
impair decision making. It impairs all our decisions if we're tired or are in any way. Uh, in in that respect, it will it will um, it, it will impact on decisions. But I think here, I think here the the greater priority should be decision making, application of rules, and ability under pressure. And I think some of the referees who are out. Uh, under the terms of this latest fitness test, probably qualify in that regard. Does it does it come as a big surprise that we that so many of them fit? Like, I know just just looking at our own in our own county, Liam Deveni, like Liam is one is an extremely fit. He's he he runs as a hobby. You'll see him mm. in Ballina at six o'clock in the morning out running. It, there there seems it seems to be strange to me that there's so many of them that all of a sudden have failed or. It doesn't yeah. make makes sense. I think almost referees would feel that there was uh, there. It was a very very strict application of the test that the foot had to be on the line, and if it wasn't, you got a warning. So I think it was it was as much that they weren't just used to that as uh, in the past as a new tester in, and okay. the criteria might have been a little bit different that the foot had to reach the line that there was no shortcutting or anything like that. So the it, poor it, it is something along the lines of of strict application that has uh, yeah. that has that has led to this and led to this. It's a bit ironic that all the referees are getting pulled on uh, breaking the rules. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, and also <laughs> they actually be technically they will be breaking the rules if they come in as standby and they are uh, they they are used if there's an injury to a referee. And a standby referee who hasn't passed the test comes in and has to take over. Well, technically, they're breaking their own rules because they haven't passed the fitness <laughs> test and they shouldn't be out there. But they've no other way around it because there's so many out. There's a, there's there's up to 13, I think, or 13 or 11 or 13. The figure is varying depending on who you talk to. 11 or 13 uh, didn't make the test. And then another 8 or 10, whatever way you're looking at, were unavailable for the test. I believe a couple might have even had COVID, so they weren't able to uh, to come up. But they could be tested this weekend with the hurlers, so uh, that would free up a few more. Incredible! It's incredible. I suppose the hurling referees probably have to be a little bit fitter uh, with the with the the pace of the game up and down the field. Well, uh, you'd wonder, you'd wonder, would they? Because as soon as the ball comes goes down the field, it's almost back, back up. up to you. Technically, it could it could be back up to you. So you'd wonder, but obviously, it does move faster. It does yeah. move faster, and there was there is no. There is no stationary moment like there is in football. As I said, a, re- a football referee could stand in the middle of the pitch and watch the ball go from side to side around the infamous arc, as it's called now. Uh, it could move as they move the ball from side to side. A referee could catch his breath for up to ninety seconds there and get on with it. So uh, there, maybe the emphasis in football is a little bit less now. Colm, you've your ears well, well, um, well glued to the ground. Now you're hearing plenty around, and you mentioned that there's a. There's a series of challenge games going on around the country between the top teams and they're playing in-house, as I say. Is there any inklings in toward, towards any of the teams going really well or really bad? I think Cork have been going well and they certainly showed up very, very well against Kerry uh, last weekend. And I think they'll be at the business end of Division 2, for sure. Uh, Galway played me in the challenge last week and they really turned it on in the second half. And obviously Dublin uh, crushed Cavan very early on, uh, very early on in the year. So from that point of view, Dublin looked to be really tuned in to have a good league campaign. I expect Dublin and Kerry, if yeah. Derry don't make it, I think I think, I think Mayo and Galway with games the following weekend after a league final, albeit they're away, one in London, one in New York. But 
they don't really have any business making a league final to add that a trip to Dublin into their itinerary. Mayo, for instance, are in Monaghan. They're in Monaghan for the last round of the league. If they were to reach a league final, that would be Monaghan, Monaghan, Dublin, New York on successive weekends. That's going to take it out of you in some respects. That's a lot of travel. So they can can probably do without a trip. If they can make themselves safe between three and six in the division and land somewhere there, that's appropriate. Same for Galway, going to London the the week after the, the league final. It's not as taxing, obviously, as New York. And I think their last league game is at home. So that's not just as bad for them. But still, they're probably something that they would, their itinerary doesn't really suit. Yeah. Monaghan against Cavan. So I don't think Monaghan will be reaching the league final. So I think it narrows it down to about four or five counties that would possibly make a Division One league final. I think I think it'd be repeated the All Ireland final if Derry don't spoil that particular party, Dublin and Kerry. Yeah, it seemed to be that way reading in between the lines of Kevin McSay at the press event last week. He mentioned it a couple of times about the schedule and and sort of keeping control of your own destiny rhythm. Or your, rhythm, rhythm is the word, yeah. So yes. I yeah, it seemed that way in fairness now, but uh it is lining up. It's 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 going to be a busy couple of weeks. You you're going to be on the road yourself, obviously, up and down the country. Yeah, the next yeah, couple of weeks. yeah. Might be down in uh, for Mayo and Galway to start with, quite possibly. But obviously, the TV coverage of the league is magnificent. Again, obviously, TG Cahar lead the way, but also RTE have got in on the that act after a long time showing nothing uh, from from September to May. There wasn't a live. Uh, GA match on RTE for a long time, but they've they've got into that now with the departure of air uh, from the from the GA market um, and between TG Cahar RTE and BBC, I think yeah. it's forty two league games are being shown. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the exact figure. I didn't make account of that now, but it's quite substantial. You're probably looking at four to five each weekend, which is that very is. very good coverage, especially on a Saturday. It's very hard to leave the house sometimes. If Mayo, as I know for the the armchair fans like like myself and Linda, we 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 it'll be very hard sometimes when you see there could be a lineup of four or five good games on the weekend, and you get to get grab them all in, and you have your Alliance League table open on Twitter and keeping an eye on the on the updates and everything else that comes in. It has made the whole experience or what's the score or whatever else. It's all added together into a great spectacle, isn't it? With well, the digital yeah, well, side of things and apps and everything. Yeah, else. if you look at well, Derry Kerry was obviously supposed to be on Sunday, but Derry requested it a day earlier. Obviously, would travel in a game the following weekend. So that's that's Saturday evening first, and then it's followed by Dublin Monaghan. So that's a that's a decent package to start off with with the league, and the following day Mayo Mayo and Galway uh, as well. So obviously for the armchair field, the, the league the league is great, and obviously it's a true test. And uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that. Uh, it should be moved this, to the to the summer. It would obviously people would miss it at this time of year, but there's good reason to do that. Mm. There's good reason, and it'd be just as good in the summer. And actually, you probably get more people out to watch to watch the games in in person rather than te- rather than on television. But you would miss that aspect of it too. Yeah, and I suppose it would give with the longer evenings as well. It would give the possibility of the odd Friday night game. If there was a league type format that Division Four could go one week, three Division Three the next week, and you could mix it up and play, you know, it could be Sligo, Leitrim, or some someone close it, by. It would be great. It would be great if there was Friday night league games, but I think that opens up a new front maybe in uh, between GAA and GPA relations because 
the Friday night experience has been tried. Uh, obviously, Leash and Carlo played a championship match uh, a number of years ago, and there was resistance to that because players had to, it was felt that players would have to take at least an afternoon off and maybe a day, but essentially an afternoon off to prepare for a game. Um, there have been numerous attempts to try and get Friday night games played. There was one to get Mayo and Dublin playing in Crow Park a few years ago. Uh, it didn't come to pass because obviously the objection was well, players would have to take time off. And that's why Friday night would be a fantastic opening. But right now it's not possible because of the requirement for players to take off a half a day. And obviously they'd have to be compensated for that. And that opens up a new front in expensing players and in the, the compensation for players for, for that as well. That's not a road the GAA want to go down and without it, the GPA would be on behalf of their players and I think the players themselves would be resisting that. You went in on a lovely tangent there and a question I wrote down for you on the finances and the costs of these intercounty teams now. Is it spiral out of control like we're absolutely horsing money into teams now at the moment? Absolutely. I would say since... I would say what teams, what counties spend uh, on their teams has probably doubled in a decade. Um, I'd say it's coming close to, I would imagine it's coming close to or gone beyond. If you include New York and London and Warwickshire and Lancashire, and there are county teams, they play in the league, obviously, and in the subsidiary hurling competitions championship. And then obviously London and New York play in Connacht and then New York fly over here so many times. Add all that in, you're over 40 million. 40 million on inter-county football and hurling development squads, all of that. It's a huge industry, and I say an industry because, you know, people will say, well, the expenses and the GPA player charter is, it's not. It's the size of the backroom teams. It's the fees that some of the specialists are able to command because every county and every team feels we must have, we must have the best if we want to be successful. And there's no rain in it in. And uh, counties are probably really starting to struggle. And the level of fundraising they have to go to. And obviously there's a in, there's an opportunity cost to all of this in that while the money is created in one respect, something else is missing out on. And I think it's the facilities are missing out. And I think some of the some of the stadia around the country are really the worst for wear at this stage. I don't, I don't know, have either of you been in Semple Stadium lately, but... I would consider it the second ground, second GA ground ahead of Park Cueve even, but it's not in great order and it's in need of a lot of remedial work at the moment. And you just wonder, is the co- with so much money going into into the intercounty game to get better and better and faster and quicker and all of that and so much more travel involved for more games and everything, um, the actual places where the games are being played are are starting to suffer. I mean, even where this weekend Pierce Stadium. You know, in need of in need of work, I would I would imagine everywhere is really. Yeah. And obviously the substantial debts on so other stadium as well. So that's that's a problem. I mean, the the teams have to play somewhere and there has to be an element of spectator comfort if you're up to twenty quid for a league game. There must be a degree of comfort to sit in a proper seat and all of that. That that can't be lost on in all of this. Yeah. You look at Mikhail Park, I don't think it's been filled since it was redeveloped. Um, and was it filled at all? Twenty, the Super Eights game against Tony Gall was the closest. Tony Gall was that a sellout though? I don't think it was. Don't think it was a sellout. No, no, that was the closest we've gotten Mayo like to in terms mm-hmm. of selling out the ground. I know with concrete seats and everything else around, but I, that stand is probably a white it's elephant. A, 
It is, but it's but it's one of the more it's one of the better ones. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you're in the press box, you're a little bit remote. You might as well be, I don't know, out the road somewhere uh, because obviously you can't hear you. It's a little bit like Oma. Some of the press boxes are like that. That the, the thickened glass screen makes it makes it difficult. But generally, McHale, the stand in the McHale Park is 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 decent. It's one of the, it's one of the better ones uh, around. What's your uh, but, favorite, Colum? What's your favorite ground to go to watch a game? No question, the, no question, the best ground to go to is Nolan Park in Kilkenny. Um, great view. It's even the atmosphere in it. There's four. Uh, there's four stands now. One of them is a terraced stand, but then there's three seated stands around, and it's just a comfortable place to go to and cover a game. Uh, you can drive in. They're very. Uh, they're very easy going there to uh, allow you, and they also. Great access to the car park and McHale Park too. I must, uh, <laughs> I, I should, I should say that too. But in Nolan Park, an ease of access to work afterwards there without being under pressure from uh, uh, a groundsman jangling keys and telling you uh, he's been here since eight o'clock in the morning. But uh, and again, I'd add McHale Park in there. They're very, uh, very amenable and very uh, extending the courtesy to those who are visiting. But Nolan Park gets it for me because of the atmosphere and just. Just a sense of the place that there are four stands around on on a stand on either side, and it makes it compact, a real venue, a real intense venue. When there's if there's ten thousand people there, it really feels as if there's ten thousand. They're not lost in Nolan Park like they are in other grounds. Gollum, I have a question here from a follower in Kildare. He's wondering where do you get the best grub after matches? What ground would you get the best grub in? Uh I think I might know the man you're talking about. Do I? He's a fair hand himself for getting it. <laughs> Where is the best place? Oh, I would say Dooley's in RD. That's pretty close to home for me, so mm. I, I don't stop in it too often. I'd say that, but one of the best stops we have is Dooley's in our in RD, just outside RD. Uh, that would be that would be <laughs> Silver Key and Cork is always pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty good. And the Anor and Thurlis is regularly used too for a lot of us going in. Uh, the Anor would be decent enough too. So uh, we don't stop as much as we used to. <laughs> Deadlines. Yeah. I love lo- I love this. This is the sort of stuff I love hearing about in the pods. The places to go after games and the, the places where you get the nice Normally group. before. Normally before. before. Uh, it's normally before a game because obviously you'd be working in late afterwards at the grounds. But uh we used to we used to have a we used to have a decent rota, but uh is um with motorways, just get home as quick as possible afterwards. If you're not staying over, just get home, yeah. get back as quick as possible because the day is long. Um, the day is long enough, I suppose, without. But sometimes we would adjourn maybe to the Anna or some of these places afterwards. One, um, but they'd one be more... sorry, yeah. yeah. One more for you. Um, what was the best atmosphere or the best moment you've experienced while covering a game? What was the one thing that you think back? Geez, I'd love to sit there and relive that. Or have you a few? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, Don't say 96 or 97. No, no. <laughs> uh, it's probably more recent than that. Do you know, the, the last 10 minutes, the last 10 minutes of the All-Ireland Final in 2019 Dublin obviously were down to 14 players for a long time and get that game. But the tension in that game was really something else with Dublin's five in a row on the line. There were a player down, they were under pressure. Achillean Spillane had scored the goal. 
and they really were under pressure and you thought it's going to slip from their grasp to uh, it's going to slip from their grasp but the tension obviously with so much history hanging on the line that was that was a big moment in football that I'd recall most of them would be in hurling I think that think back to the only recently the the Munster final in 2022 between Limerick and Clare and while both teams survived afterwards you just knew there was so much riding on the line and to see Tony Kelly swinging over Declan Hannan scoring a point and then from with a snapshot it was almost like Aina Burks well it wasn't even it probably wasn't as good as Aina Burks yesterday but Declan Hannan scored a point and Tony Kelly to convert that sideline and the atmosphere like that the atmosphere in Thurless and again in the Gaelic grounds for the Munster final last last year as well they're fantastic occasions and they're great to be in there covering games and actually you know living through living through that and working through those games is terrific even though it's hard to cover a hurling game now and you know note everything that has to be noted from scores and substitutes and everything is coming fast so fast at you and you're you're trying to record everything, but you're also trying to savor the atmosphere and the occasion. And when you look back at those, those two games are terrific. So many, so many great hurling games. Hard to, it's hard to distinguish between them. But I have to say, the 2019 All Ireland final. I think, I think you nearly had to stop and just watch it with the tension. And Dublin, Dublin salvaged a draw and almost got a winner that day, and they went on to to win five in a row and then six in a row. But it really was on the line for them there, and they they, they brought it around. I have to say the 2016 All-Ireland semi-final between Dublin and Kerry as well, the second half was terrific. Kerry went in five points up at halftime and Dublin overtook them, scoring points. That was as good as that Dublin team were, I felt, in that yeah. second half. They were really good. And the 2013 semi-final, again, this is another Kerry defeat and it's not because I want to see Dublin win all these games, but they were just huge football occasions. And then when Donegal came and ambushed, ambushed... Uh, when Donegal came and ambushed um, uh, yeah. Dublin in uh, in the 2014 All Ireland final, but obviously on a personal level, I I can recall the four games I was covering those games actually for the Chronicle uh, when Mead and Dublin went at it in four games in a row in 1991. And again, the atmospheres at those games were were terrific. They were fantastic, and such hard hitting and such controversy in those games as well. There was always there was flare ups and incidents everywhere. But there were again great to live through and work through as well. So you love, you love it back that far. They were they were magnificent occasions. Those all of those games again, as I said about the Kerry Dublin game, the tension, but the tension in those games was really serious too. Colin, the biggest story you covered in GA, oh. it was hardly Dublin breaking the curfew a couple of years ago. What was the biggest story you felt? You I think probably uh, I go back to nineteen ninety eight and Clare. And Gerlach Nan and that, oh, that yeah. whole summer with between Babs Keating uh, leaving Offaly, but more so Gerlach Nan and the controversy after the Munster final replay between Clare and Waterford. Uh, and for those few weeks, uh, I always that'll always stand out. And, uh, you know, for the few days after Mead and Loud as well with the Leinster final in 2010, that's another one too that will always stand out. But I, I have to say, the colour just. Just the force of personality of Gerlach Nan in those years was really something else too. They were it was a great time to be covering Gaelic games between himself and Liam Griffin and people like that. They were so different then, but Lachnan left it all out there. Um I remember being down covering a Munster Council meeting where or Colin Lynch's suspension in the Limerick Inn 
on the uh, on the Ennis Road and be there to I've been there till after two o'clock in the morning waiting for a verdict. And I think I got home around five or half five. Uh, got home around half or five. Half five, I think I was home at that morning after dropping a couple of lads off to Dublin. But it was certainly one o'clock and maybe a little bit afterwards when the verdict when the verdict was delivered down in Limerick. And that was that was that was something else. Those and then they played the three games with Offley in between all of that. So a very controversial summer. And obviously, as I said, Lucknan left it all out there. He didn't withhold anything in his commentary about things. Donkeys don't win derbies. That was that year too. That was Bab. Bab said that <laughs> yeah. earlier. Uh, yeah. Bab said that in the early nineties about about Cork, and that came back yeah. to bite. But Bab's another great character. I mean, mm. again, unvarnished. He lets it all out there. There's nothing polished about it. He's old school managers like that. There was there is no there was no media coaching with them about what not to say. And here's your here's your here's your key talking points. They were masters of their own destiny and what they said. And often there was a psychological edge to it too. Uh, they would try to bring that. But they were they were great characters to deal with back in the 90s. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. He said that and they did it. Unbelievable. You can only imagine being in a dressing room with him in those years. Yeah. yeah. Energy. You can only imagine listening to him. Yeah. 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 One, one quick one. Go on, go Mayo on. and Dublin, the, the, the last few years, I always got the impression there was probably begrudging respect from Dublin. I don't think they liked other much, especially on the Dublin side. What field did you get? Yeah, I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't think there was. Uh, I wouldn't think there was any any great degree of uh, love between them at all. Uh, you could you could see that, and you would also hear that. Generally, uh, generally players don't really. Mix like they once well once did either, and you would have seen that in the last remnants of the All Star tours. If there was big groups together, they would always they'd stick together themselves, and they wouldn't really integrate with each other as well. And you could see that that was that's probably a change from the early two thousands. And uh, you know they're they're big rivals, and you don't expect them really to be friends. It's a pity the game has gone that way. And actually, it's something Aidan O'Shea did reference, uh, I think, at one stage last year that that's gone out of the game. Which is a pity uh, in some respects because careers pass by quickly, um, and obviously success—the big driver—is success. But friendships and contacts and all of that have to come into it too, and uh, it's diminished in that regard. And Mayo Dublin, for sure, there was an edge there. But Lee Keegan seemed to get on, and I think when Lee Keegan retired, I think you saw a lot of respect from Dublin for for him in particular. Uh, that was that was pretty evident when he called time on it. Yeah, well, he did. He did serve Mayo, in fairness, and probably to the. He did, the and uh, actually involved in uh, over over Christmas or just after it in uh, one of those uh, public house discussions about the best team uh, of the last fifty years. It was the 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 company I was keeping uh, at that time. Would all uh, that was the that was the uh, the yardstick, shall we say, the barometer was you had to have seen the players so. Most of us would have a memory of at least the last 40 years. Some would go a little bit further, but Lee Keegan made the cut. Uh, it was a group of <laughs> group of fellas from me. Lee Keegan made the, that cut um, along with James McCarthy. Can't think who else was the other. Could have been Jack McCaffrey now uh, mm. made that. Seamus Moynihan maybe was in that mix, but uh, Everyone, on the half uh, line, yeah. Lee Keegan made the cut. So I, um, he's well thought of across the country. Yeah. 
I have one I had one thing wrote out here making and we'll just keep it to footballers. We make your best footballer of these five characteristics. Um so the first one is left foot. So you have to think of a player with the best left foot you, you can you can recall. Tempted to say David Clifford, although and from distance and from crazy angles, he's great. So I will David Clifford. Okay, right foot. Probably the bit I saw of Matt Connor, gonna say Matt Connor, or right. kicking ability, Matt Connor. Possibly Morris Fitzgerald, but for I'll go with Matt Connor for just that ability. Yeah. Well, next Skip one up, up then is raw strength. Just strength. Raw strength. Bernard Morris. I would have said Liam Harnan for raw strength, the mid centre back. Uh, I might have run into him a couple of times and uh, <laughs> wouldn't have come out on the better side. And then consequently, Peter Widnell, the down full forward, yeah. who ran into both Harnan and uh, Mick Lyons in the 1991 All-Ireland Final and came out very much the other side of it and obviously raw strength but Kieran McGinney, Kieran McGinney when he finished up his playing career was a strong player as there was too so there are um, there are a few in that regard but absolute raw strength I'm going to give it to Harnan Okay, brilliant and then the next one is uh, football and brain footballing brain just the Peter Canavan. Peter Canavan is right up there. Yeah. Kieran Kilkenny and Brian Fenton are right up there too. No doubt about it. But I have to give it to Canavan. Perfect. Canavan will give it to us all. And then the last one then is just engine. Just just sticking ability up and down the field. McCarthy. James McCarthy. Yeah, that's a serious footballer there now. Yeah. Brilliant. James that's McCarthy. one for it. That's one for it. So I throw guess. them into the machine. I don't know what comes out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll end up. But we'll I, end I up think, with. I think, uh, uh, I think a player that covers all of that. I mean, uh, the player that covers all of that uh, for me is is Fenton. I think Fenton is one of the best players. He's certainly right up at the top of this generation, but across the generations, I think I think he fits fits the bill in a lot of ways. Does a lot of things. Yeah, he's the all rounder, isn't he? You know, we he talk is. Clifford forwards wise, but he 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 has everything. Scoring is the all rounder. Yeah, yeah. If you think back to the last ten minutes against Monaghan last year and against Kerry, you see that leadership quality that he has too. Colin, you mentioned picking a team over fifty years. Uh, I have a book here in front of me. I might as well segue into it. Uh, right. Jason okay. Sam Maguire. Yes. Uh, a lot of work. Uh, I'm wondering, are you going to work in the next fifty, or any plans yes. in? Please. Yes, that's uh, that's already well underway. Uh, that's already well underway. Um, uh, our intention was, myself and Dermot Riley, my partner with Chasing Sam Maguire, was to bring it up to the present day. Now, that would have left us short of the 100 years, which is in three, some four years' time, the 100-year 100, 100 anniversary of the first presentation of the Sam Maguire after an All-Ireland final. But the volume became so great, the content and the copy became so great, that the publishers of Brian Press decided this would be better to split in two. So we already had a lot of advanced work done on the next 50 years. Obviously, people's memories of the last 50 years are a lot better. So there won't be as much new to them as is probably in the first edition. But I was delighted that, that it went uh, it went well and it's been 
well received and happy enough to say a couple of emails have come in obviously people pointing out an odd correction here and there and to go back and check <laughs> that that's understandable when you're printing that many facts and things go back i had one today actually from a man who was at the 1941 uh leinster semi-final between dublin and carlo and he emailed me uh he emailed me so he was told me he was born in 1930 so that makes him 93 and he emailed me i got the email today to tell me he was questioning uh one of one of one of our uh one of our reference points in it and i believe he's i believe he's right and that's something we have so there you go but he, 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 he was delighted he was delighted with the uh he got it as a present for christmas and he was delighted with it and he thanked us uh, thanked me obviously for for provoking some of those memories of things he had seen, which was lovely, lovely to hear, because that was the idea to capture as much of the history of the the hundred years of of the All Ireland Football Championships as possible. And what we did was we uh, we actually printed uh, or we researched the clubs of teams or the clubs of the players who were involved in All Ireland Final Day, and that was that was quite an arduous task because you're all there's always going to be slippage there. You're not going to capture them all because players moved around so much. Mm. It's not like it's not like now uh, where they primarily stick to the same club. Obviously, there will be some movement, but not to the level. Were many, that there was. Were many clubs defunct or gone? Yeah. Or, yeah. The, club, the club at the crossroads would be, be in existence one year and the next year they're not. So the players involved there go off and play with the next neighbouring parish or they go yeah. off to the nearest town and they moved around so much. So we, we tried to capture as much of that as possible and thread and trace back uh, who was involved with who, and that was difficult. And obviously there's a bit of shortfall there, but we got as much of it as we could as what was available through records. And we trawled a lot of local newspapers. The local newspapers archive is fantastic yeah. uh, in many respects to be able to go back through that and to delve into it. And and that's what we did over quite a few years. So uh, but we're happy the way it turned out and the way it was received uh, right up to Christmas and beyond. There's a, there's another run coming on it. So, um, Brilliant. I was I was happy the way it turned out. Well, brilliant, brilliant, Colum. Um, and I send you anything for him, but just want to thank you for coming. Not, not a lot. We've kept him nearly an hour. I think we said know. twenty minutes. Left. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colum. I'm sorry. I'll have an uh, RF Colum, hat for you. Uh, who'll win all Ireland? We leave leave you a test. <laughs> Galway or Dublin? Oh, Galway could come. This is the year for Galway, but I. I'm inclined to think that Dublin might just ring another one out of it. They have players. I mean, the, the the common consensus is that the golden generation, when they go, that's it for Dublin. But you look at the some of the like you look at some of the players that they are producing. They're not at the level of Fenton, Kilkenny, O'Callaghan, McCaffrey. They're next level down, and in the current environment, that might just be good enough to mix a few of those players in. Like the only one of their All Ireland final starting team that'd be missing is Davy Byrne. I'd say he's probably probably repa- replaceable at this stage. You know, he's not. So they're not really going to be missing any. McCarthy has signed up for another year. I believe Cluxton is, although Desi said uh, over the weekend, Desi Farrell said he mightn't be back uh, in the early part of the league. But he's certainly indicating that there'd be no further retirements. If you were to say it last July, you'd think they were all out. That who was the doors? The doors would not be wide enough for the exodus out of the Dublin dressing room. It, yeah, they've stuck together and they obviously feel there's there's more in them now you know Kerry will obviously be close enough too but I think Kerry have about three positions that they must fill one of the midfield and probably the two half forward berths as well they must strengthen there and improve there to be a better team yeah it's going to be one hell of a ride buckle up baby 
Cullum, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Very interesting. Good chat. Good crack. That's what we thank want. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very you. much, lads, and thanks for the invitation. Okay. We'll see you now, Rev Tower soon. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Linda, how are you now? Great, Rev. It was a good chat with Colin. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. It was great to yeah. um to have someone else on too. Kept uh kept things interesting. Good seeing another side of uh of what goes on in the media, I suppose. Yeah. Um interesting. He's thinks there's another kick in Dublin. Yeah. There probably is. Mm. I was gonna to say to him there, but uh Jesse said he's he mightn't be back for the early rounds. I say <laughs> it's nothing to do with um Something to do with Desi. It's whenever he decides to go back, I'd say. <laughs> it looks that way. Probably. Um, How could you? You couldn't tell him not to come back or not to or to no. go away. Or I to heard today Dublin are gone away for the week, Chris. Oh, yeah. Warm weather yeah. training camp. Warm weather training, flying, flying home for the game with Monaghan. Are Monaghan out there? <laughs> no, but Monaghan, oh. they're Monaghan the weekend. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> flying home together. <laughs> Um, any news? Any crack? Um, Mayo played Westmead the weekend, Riff. That's the rumor, that's the yeah, talk. We, we, uh, we got a report of a, an alleged team, and Fergal Boland meant to have played well. Kick four points is the talk out there in the uh, rumor mill. Yeah, yeah, that dream I had at Christmas seems to come to, came to reality. I had a dream that Fergal Boland was back at Mayo. Did you, did you dream to win anything this year, Ruff? <laughs> win my heart back. That's what they're going to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's important too. There's some fucking work to do. What do we normally yeah, talk the, about? The, the team of the weekend, Ruff. What are you predicting? The first oh, I love $64,000 I... question. I love Who's it. Who's going to be in goals? I get the pen and paper out. And yeah, here we we'll go. pick one each. Yeah. No, we'll pick it together. Like, like McStay and Rochford are going to be picking the team. So I'm going uh, to be. Are you Rochford or McStay? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know who is to say here. Oh, well, McStay is the manager. So I'd be McStay and you could be Rochford. Okay, so, I get my way. So, so Stephen, this is the team we're playing the weekend. And okay. What's your opinion on it? So we're going to put Reap in goal. I'm putting Henley in goal, but go on. Right, but sign the manager. We're going to so. the full back line, I'd say. <laughs> Coin. Yeah. Brickenden. Brickenden and Cannan. Yeah. Is Do it, we agree? No, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go McBrien. I think the bottom centre back Brickenden has played the last two challenges at full back. And how did he get on, Stephen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we they got on. They played them both he... days. Yeah, I think right, they'll right. go. I said I want to get McBrien out to field. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know, I'm, I, uh, I, I... I give you, Reap. You can give me Brickenden. I, I'm approachable here. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Brickenden, Coin, and. Brickenden, fullback. Coin, and Cannon. Yeah. yeah, perfect. That means McBrien has to be six. Yeah, he has to be uh, six. Paddy Dorkin has to be five. Yeah, flying. And seven Paddy. is between Owen McLaughlin and Stephen Cohen. Who are you going for, Kevin? Um, I'm going to go with Owen McLaughlin. No, no, it's up in Pierce Stadium. It's going to be a bad weekend. I'm going to go with Stephen Cohen. Okay. And then midfield, uh, Jordan Jack Carney. 
Jordan Flynn and Jack Kearney? Um, I think it'll be Jack Kearney and Jermaine and Jordan Flynn will go to the 40. Jack Kearney and Jermaine, you're thinking? Yeah, and they'll put uh, Jordan to the 40 based upon the game with Armagh. That's the reason I'm thinking that, Kevin. Okay, sound. Thanks, Stephen. So we go Jermaine and Kearney and Jordan. Jordan is wing forward, is he, or centre half forward? Centre. Centre, okay. Yeah. Um, Bob Tuohy, number 10. Bob Tuohy. And Fergie B. Or Darren McHale. A lot of talk about how well Darren McHale, they brought him to the press conference last week. Would that be a hint? I don't know. It might, might be. It might be a big move. Put him in at number 12. Actually, put him at 11 and put Jordan at 12, ref. No. No. <laughs> I'm going for a give Right. I you can you can take one off me now on the full forward line. Okay. Um my full I, forward oh, line. Oh, would be <laughs> Aidan O'Shea, yeah. Brian O'Donoghue, and yeah. I'm gonna go for a bolter in there, the Charlestown man, Paul Towie. And what about Conroy? I think he has Sigerson commitments. John was talking about it, a bit of a problem with his groin. They're not gonna be letting him play two games a week. So therefore, I think they might mightn't go with him this weekend. It's not that he won't be on the team come later in the year. Yeah. I think they'll. What's the word, ref? Manage him. Yeah, uh, manage their load. Yeah, he does manage his load. <laughs> <laughs> ref, I knew you'd take it. I knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope they're all managing their load. Um. So you're saying you did you say you wanted Jordan Flynn wing forward? Yeah, and I put Darren McHale centre forward. I think he's a natural centre forward. I know what you I mean. I just think I it might, it might be a hint mean. that they brought him to the press conference. Maybe, yeah, and they brought Paddy because he was captain. Yeah. Um. Right, so that means Fergie gets dropped. I like the way you're putting uh, two Fergie's big lads. But Fergie's only home a week or two from Australia. It's very yes. hard to put him straight in. Yeah, we can it? bring him in. We can bring him in. We'll bring him in for sub rough. And, uh, yeah, I like the two. I like Jordan and Tui on the wings, two, two uh, kick-out options, especially in a yeah. windy day. Um, are we are we agreed on that? Are you going to change it on the morning? I I well, I've already the team sent in for the program. All right, <laughs> yeah. so we'll have to stick to the program now. <laughs> How um, do you think they'll go, ref? Um, how will that team go? That team, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be worried. We've no form to go on with goal. No, race. that's that's the thing. Or, yeah. or Mayo, because we haven't seen either team play. Yeah. I, I have just this to feel in my head that Horlick Joyce has such a love for all things Mayo that he won't want to lose to them twice in a row and he'd be guns out to win this game. That's a big factor. That's a big factor. It's location, there's revenge. Yeah. What venue. do I always talk about, ref? Revenge and venue. Yeah. Yeah, and their two big boxes ticked. Yeah. Um. Even though did they beat them up there last year? They did. But yeah, was we a beat them fair. in the championship last year. Remember, it was a fair old battle. Goal were four points up at half time, were they? And we played against the breeze. Mm. We and chose the second half. We chose to play them against the breeze in the first half. A, a brilliant decision of yours, Kevin. Thank you. It was Paddy actually? Paddy oh. that done the toss. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I wonder do they? You know, often you'd often be. You'd often be, you know, people wonder, oh, play with her against the breeze. It's kind of like. What would you do? Oh, it depends. I'd always play with it. Would you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, 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 the only way you can be out of the game at half time is if you concede a huge score in the first half. That's the yeah. way I look at it. But, but would you be not bet like you're, you're deciding if if if, if both teams are well matched or there's not much hmm. between them or you know if you're three or four points down, would you rather go in with the doubt because you're going against the breeze in the second half or the hope? There's a lot of psychologists that know more about this, and I doubt you get two to agree, Riff. Including yeah. the new Mayo psychologist that seen Morris Brosnan named her in the paper. She wasn't named at the press conference you were at, Riff. No, she wasn't. And he was asked by Lee. Lisa O'Neill. Yeah. Was named in the paper. She was a jockey, I think, oh, according yeah. to that. Lisa O'Neill, jockey. Just Googling here. Uh, and she, yeah, I seen that. Uh, did he mention that she's recently qualified in sports psychology? Yeah, in Waterford, I think the article mm. said. Oh, found her on LinkedIn. Glad <laughs> 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 Um, yeah. Send without a note. Wonders anyone connected to her? Do we know. And now to do uh, any other news, Enda. Um, any other news, Rafael? Let's see. Um, no, the club finally yesterday. We might as well mention it, Ref. Uh, Bridget's played unbelievable. I thought very unlucky to lose last week. I was so sweet, and then I thought it'd win six points plus. They were damn lucky to win. Like glass, just the last ten minutes, he was like Superman, wasn't he? Yeah. He was well when he was needed, and he's done that yeah, before he, in a few he, games. He was he wasn't that like for, for as good as he was, he wasn't that dominant throughout the game. It was really the last ten minutes he just tore into it, didn't he? Yeah, it's one thing I noticed now after watching the intermediate final and watching the senior final. It's something probably we're not used to. Or we've forgotten about we're conditioned to watching games where you get four or five wides and the rot sets in. It's like a disease. Yeah. And people just get nervous, and the more you kick wide, the worse it gets. Mm. And I think it's something people, I, them teams, kind of nearly forget in the moment that just hold on to us, just make sure you get a free or make sure you get a fist to point. It's all about one point is way better than three or four chances, if you know what I mean. That, that's it sucks the oxygen, doesn't it? Oh, it kills the team, and that's what I was really impressed about Glenwood that they. They kept going. It's like you know, I reference. I keep referencing South Africa. Um, I keep referencing South Africa in the World Cup semi final. Nothing was going their way. Absolutely nothing was going. There, but they kept plugging away until they finally got a chance, and that's what Glenn did. They kept hammering home. I know at one stage it was Bridget's had no wides and the Glenn had ten, mm-hmm. um, which was which was crazy stuff. Like so, they had loads of chances, Glenn. Even though Bridget's were playing plenty of football, but. We talked about, I think, last week or the week before as well. They had to win that game. You know, they had to win that game. That was their chance. And Bridget's are going to be sore. They'll be back again in a month's time, wherever, and back in the league and everything else, or pre-season competition. They'll be running or naming to go and win in All-Ireland this time now. That, that, that'll be their goal for the year. Um, yeah, But you're at the bottom and... of the mountain again, and you have to get through your county, and then you have to get through Connacht, and you just don't know one bad day can do you. It's it can, so, it, it yeah. can, yeah. But look at it's very repetitive. The teams that get to these All Ireland series yeah. and, and come out of their county, there is a fair old step. 
Now, you can have bad days and whatever else, but there's a fair distance or a fair jump between St. Bridget's and most club teams in Connacht. They are they are going to be elite. They're not maybe not recognised now at the moment, but that team is going to be around for the next six, seven years. Absolutely no doubt. I have to mention their conditioning as well. I know that maybe, maybe the last five minutes, I think, was more mental maybe, more than anything. But they were up and down the field. And they can play football. They're intelligent footballers. They're young. Ben O'Carroll is a great footballer. Just the general group of them, the pace, the movement. They're intelligent, stacked. They're intelligent footballers, and at club level, it was, it was they were they were a joy to watch. Um, I really enjoyed watching them play football, and they play it the right way. Um, and you know, record this if you want to, and you know, for yourself, because this I'm not often I'm going to. Your play prisoners coming. That's common. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll send it to Shaggy by ref. Yeah. Now, of course, ref, as Kevin McStay said the last day, it's a huge step up. From club to county, can they tra- translate that style of play into their scumming team? We're going to the hide in the championship. Uh, are they playing that with the county? It's two different, it's yeah, two, two different, different management teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it suits Bridget's play in a way that they're awful hard. They play football and they're awful hard lockdown. You know, hmm. they're not. We nearly say patient with the ball. They're moving it quick. They're 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 good runners off the ball. They're you know they're looking up all the time. They they're. I don't think you can play it. Can you play that at inter county level when you have thirteen men behind the ball when you're taking a free the other end of the field? You know they're. It, it's difficult. It's a different game. The club football is is a lot better to watch at times. You know there's there's a yeah. lot more mistakes, but the mistakes can make it a lot more interesting to watch. You know mistakes mm. usually lead to scores. Um, yeah. chances you know that's that's the, the, the funny thing of it um, but watching Roscommon I know they're up against the Galway uh, developmental squad but they have some amount of forward power ref they do yeah yeah, yeah. more than we have if we're being honest yeah yeah and if they yeah. play if they play like they did they played into uh, uh, playing the correct way like they did against us in Michael Park we play into their hands. They they have the ability to beat us, and they go up the field and they have the forwards. They can bring it down to fifteen scoring chances, sixteen scoring chances of the game, and they'll get thirteen. You know they yeah. they'll convert. They have the quality to convert them scores and keep it tight at the back. So yeah. uh, they're coming. Like if that's what's yeah. coming in from Roscommon in club football, that level of standard. Like there's a lot of good things going on in Roscommon at the moment. You see their fundraising efforts is going on. You see the work they're doing now. They're developing Hyde Park. They've one of the best services in the county. They have a state-of-the-art gym. Um, they're doing an awful lot of things right in Roscommon. Yeah. A lot of counties could look to them in terms of like, the size of the county and the fundraising power that they've um, they've put together. And they've they've went with a, a young manager and he seems to be, you know, very, works the books hard. Works, you know, he demands a lot. Um, and they, it's a big year for them. Connacht yeah. Championship now is very, it's turned into... An interesting it's, competition. It's nearly the most interesting one now. Now Ulster, Ulster. obviously with McGuinness and yeah. the lads back in this year. Ulster's it's better because there's more in it. Yeah. That's that's a yeah. better quality. But like the three teams, Ross Common, Gold yeah. and Mayo, it's it they're it's 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 brilliant. Three games, yeah. you know, three teams. Um, there was something else I was going to say about the bit of sad news. Bit of sad news, Enda. Yeah, uh, 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 Parik Farley. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
he drives you mad at times. <laughs> uh, both of us at times, and we both had our battles with him down the years. But uh, he was stone cracked football, and uh, anyone that had that much interest in football, I would have time for. He was a Cav man. I didn't know him, uh, but uh, got to know him on Twitter. Loved his Corrafane, loved his Tyrone, loved his Dublin, loved the debate. Attached, please find, please find attached video of. And normally a throne player, Peter Hart was a particular favourite. Um, the Brogans. It's notice, noticeable most of the journalists seem to have been getting calls from him. Cullum said off air to me that he'd ring him seven or eight times a week. Uh, Bernard Brogan had it up. Uh, very sad ref. And suicide is the silent killer, they call it. And um, too much of it in this country for my liking. But uh, people should try and talk if they can at all. He left to mark. He left. To, he yeah. definitely left to mark. But the, um, he was. I I couldn't believe it when I seen it. But uh, what really took me back was the amount of people that talked about him and that mm. knew who he was. It was, yeah. It was um very sad. I know. Obviously, it's very sad. I didn't know the man personally, but mm. he. I felt like I knew him. He yeah. was one of these. You know. I. Someone said to me it was a sad day for the GA Twitter actually. And it was because everyone that was on Twitter, every Twitter, and it's a big following of Twitter and on our GA on Twitter. Um, it uh, it comes up. I, Joe Brawley had an article about or mentioned him an article article in two thousand and eighteen. Porrick Farley from Cavan is obsessed with Gaelic football, and for some time we have kept up a lively WhatsApp correspondence. I could be sitting in the back court eleven, waiting to rise to my feet to cross examine a flummox detective when I feel the buzz in my pocket. Greg Blaney was a better number 11 than Brian McGuigan. What do you think? <laughs> or who was your best ever half back line? Or I know you revere Gerrity, but Paul Curran always marked him out for it. I thought it was a lovely reference to him. Um, that yeah. was uh, 2018. So he obviously um, he obviously was a, a great man for, uh, for, for, for asking the questions and he wasn't afraid to give his opinion. I think that was no. the, the, the probably the uniqueness of him or the, so was the, what made him stand out he was very to the point and yeah very sad look we mentioned him on the pod before and uh, our condolences to, the, to, his, to his family and friends and, and everyone in, in Cavan that knew him and all the people around Ireland and you know that that, that conversed with him um, uh, rest in peace Porrick so and uh, yeah um, so Salt Hill the weekend ref the ladies uh, got beaten yesterday it was moved to the dome um They'll be looking to pick up a win next weekend. New, relatively new panel under Kevin McStay. Good few new faces in there, and it's for Salt Hill for me on Sunday. Ref, um, I have a feeling my first bet of the week might be very popular among Mayo supporters. Oh, you're yeah, going for I have a feeling is unless I can find one in the lower divisions. Yeah, I will try my best. Normally... I could bring the rat of God down on myself, ref. When was the last time you backed against Mayo's? The Kerry game you brought me and I was absolutely dying down the van, down to <laughs> Jeez, I was shook, man, that day. Mm. I was a shook man. Um yeah, the ladies got bit by me with the four points in the end. Lee McHale's first out and with um Mayo ladies and tough, tough start for them now. There's pressure on them. I see that themselves in Dublin on the bottom of the table already. Yeah. Uh, so they won Maria game Cannon, I think she got one four, did she? 
Yeah, a good Borishul woman. And you yeah. launched you you launched your statue in Borishul Ref was was it a depiction of yourself? I was trying to make it out. The statue in uh, the park, the Grand yeah. Whale statue. There's now oh, more Grand statues. Sorry. Uh, there's, sorry. More, there's more statues in, in, in Medlicott Street than there is pubs. <laughs> there's two. Come here. If you go back and win the championship with them, they'll put up a statue to you, Ross. Way. Yeah. Now, we've enough. Shy talked. Promised talked. Yeah. We'll, we'll, um, We'll leave in the bit with... Uh, yeah, we'll have John on. back next week and I pray to God it goes well because John's on the verge of tipping over. I'm uh, I'm, I'm resting John. I'm resting him for the, for the yeah. big game, you know. Resting for the big game yeah. that we have him fresh coming in for the for the review of the soul. What are we calling the podcast? Today's? Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll think of something. We'll think of something. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we'll take <think> of something <laughs> right and uh, good luck ref good luck good luck good All luck right,